Welcome to All Things Beer, a Pat's Pints Mark's Mugs podcast. I'm Pat Woodward. And I'm Mark Richards. Each month, we are joined by brewers, enthusiasts, and friends to explore the techniques, the culture, and the history of mankind's best invention. So grab a beer and join us as we discover a world of all things beer. Brian, we're downstairs. Come on down to the studio. Brian Kimmel, here to see us. Hello, hello. (laughs) Good to see you. We were warning Angelo of you coming, and I think he got a little excited thinking he was going to drink with you, but he had to go. Angelo and I have crossed paths a few times, including Howcraft Brewers Conference when it was here a couple years ago. And he shocked me by gracing my Pelotonia fundraising happy hour by showing up and oh, nice. bringing his wife along this year. So and, oh, cool. and made a donation. Thank yeah. you, Angelo. Avid cyclist as well. Oh, Angelo is. Rides to work every day. Rode here to be on the podcast earlier. Rain or shine. Doesn't miss a day. So we are currently drinking Tracare House Ale coming in at 7.2 ABV. And Patrick, you've been to the Tracare House Brewery. That is correct. Tell us a little bit about your visit to the Tracare House. The Tracare House Brewery, first of all, it's located in what would be called the Scottish border countries. So it's kind of in the south of Scotland, not too awful far from Edinburgh, but it's basically an estate an old manor. In fact, they claim it's the longest inhabited house in all of Scotland. So they've been living there for 900 years. You know, back in the day, if you had a big estate like this, all of those estates would have had a brewery. And they made beer for themselves and for, you know, the people who worked there. They had this equipment laying around. And in the 60s, the laird of the house Peter Maxwell Stewart decided that he was going to start brewing on it again. Okay. And so he got a little help from the brewer at Bellhaven, which isn't Mm -hmm. very far from there, came over and fired up this kit. The brewery is not quite in a basement, but it's kind of like in a this lower room that's underneath the chapel. The copper kettle dates from 1738. And they're still using the copper kettle? They're still using that copper kettle, yeah. The other interesting thing about it, I mean, they have an open-air cooling system, which is also kind of very old-fashioned. And then they age the beer in these wooden oak tons. It's a circular oak fermenting vessel, and they just put a loose lid on it. So it's almost like open fermentation. And when I talk to them, they're like, you know, this is made from Russian mimel oak which didn't mean anything to me. I think that sounds pretty special to me. Well, when I was trying to get the guy to say, you know, what makes the beer here special, that was really what he wanted to focus on was those fermenters. Apparently very dense, and it also doesn't impart a lot of flavor to the beer. Okay. So, I don't know. Can you guys taste any wood? I get nothing but Russian oak, really. See that open the bottle. <laughs> it's got a lot of caramel. I'll tell you that. Real caramely. Um, if I had to guess, I would say almost has a new barrel taste. You know, like yeah. like not a, a, I mean, obviously they've been aging their beer in it, but it has that taste like it's never had whiskey in it. It's never been charred. Yeah. It's never, like what I would describe as if you put it in the voter is at CBC. Mm, which, right, right. Well, in Scotland, they might call something that was 250 years old new. New, yes. <laughs> they, yeah, absolutely. I mean, anyway, just to kind of close the story on Track Warehouse. They opened this new brewery in 1965. 
That was the, the modern track warehouse started then. It was the only brewery open in the whole of the country, Scotland or England, in 1965, oh, wow. as it turns out. Wow. Because huh. if you think about that time period, that's when breweries were consolidating and closing. And there was yeah. no such thing really as a microbrewery back then. Camera and pre- Yeah, yeah even know. before camera, yeah. yeah. They make about 1,000 hectoliters a year. Uh, which isn't a lot, right? That's maybe a thousand barrels. What would sure. be a local brewery mark that would be of a comparable output? Do you think probably something like Sideswipe used to be? Maybe the other thing about their batch size when they make a batch, they don't package on site. They actually ship it in okay. a tanker truck to another brewery that does the packaging. And I think they said they have to brew fourteen batches, and they put it into. They have a holding conical f- vessel somewhere that they put okay. this beer, and they have to build. They have to brew 14 batches before they fill it up, and then it gets shipped away and bottled. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're saying there's a market to make a mobile canning line in Scotland. Yeah, <laughs> really. Sounds <laughs> like it. definitely could be. Uh, so, you know, you're not going to drink a beer from a more historic, yeah. uh, you know, antiquated, you might even say, brewery than this. Yeah, this is lovely. Maybe a hint of smoke. Not much. Now, we've moved up to 7.2%, right? So we're definitely in... Either you might say the wee heavy or the scotch ale category yes, now. Yes, absolutely. Everything here on is going to be scotch. And 7.2, and out of the numerous pubs I've been in in Scotland, 7.2 is rare to find on a real ale tap yeah, in right? Scotland. Sure. Like you're, yeah, that's a rarity. I mean, that would be very strong by British standards. Sure. Um, they do brew um, some beers that are not as strong. So they have one called the Bear Ale, which I think is 5%. And maybe I think there's even one that's below that but those are not exported to my knowledge yeah i went to a real ale festival not long after i moved over to the uk and at this festival if you wanted to get a beer above six percent it was two tokens right so that was the strong stuff yeah above six percent wow whereas you know there's some places you go in columbus and good luck in anything below six percent yeah especially zaftig right (laughs) that was yeah, what they used to do, not nothing below eight or something. Yeah, was, was oh yeah, the first yeah. couple of years. And, and Pat went up and uh, got us a Zaftig this week, so so we're gonna we'll get, get to try one here in another couple beers. I have got some bread I want to share with you guys. Oh, Brian had been talking about the classic oat bannock bread from Scotland, and I made a little batch. Bannock is a, uh, I think it's almost equal parts oat and flour. Right? Is that mm-hmm. sound about right? And some sugar, a stick of butter usually, and then water to get it kind of to a dough. Uh, there is historic connotations. It's it was uh like I said earlier, it was carried in a sometimes carried in a sporn to go into battle. Uh, I think it's been a you know an easy probably a poorer person's item to eat. You know, and then uh, there is an appearance an outlander from it, and it's the there's some that say that it's the great great grandfather to the american oatmeal cookie that as yeah. someone came over here from scotland and probably maybe added more sugar to it maybe thinned it out okay i could see yeah. you know uh i've made version of it at home with either uh some cherries in it i've done chocolate chips mm-hmm. so i could easily see someone else being like oh let's throw some so throw some raisins sure. in it that um, makes sense yeah i don't know the pedigree on that but it sounded good you know when i read it, it sounded good to me you know, it's definitely going to you know give you a little bit more to eat if you're having if you're having a drink or in the morning if you're recovering from maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah, you could have yes. used some of this in the morning, I could, right? I could have <laughs> used some of this last night and this morning. Yeah, probably. yeah. Well, it's really good. It resembles a scone uh, kind of a character. 
uh, a little on the dry side, but not too dry. This would be more of the uh, Latte Larry scone than the Mocha Joe scone. <laughs> it's a spite store. Well, we've moved on to another Traquair House beer now. This is the Jacobite Ale. Mark, you've got the bottle over there. What does it I say? I do. Now, this is based on an ancient recipe, Pat. Not just old equipment now. we got an old recipe, just, too. Yeah, this one just brewed yesterday. So, this is spiced with hops as well as other traditional ancient seasoning. Coriander. I got a hint um, of a spice to there. So it was, Yeah, it describes it as deep brown color, which I agree 100% with. A rich aroma of spice, chocolate, leather. I'd go with all that and a full creamy body. This is as advertised on the bottle and delicious. This goes so well with that bread. I mean, there's just something, just a little bit extra about this one compared to the house beer that we just had. Let's say, is ABV similar though? This one is 8%. A little okay. bit higher. But that coriander gives it a little bit of spice that, that blends really well, almost like you might see in a Belgian beer. But the maltiness is definitely Scottish. Yeah, I couldn't see some... I mean, coriander, of course, is a key ingredient in a wit beer. This is really nice. And it's got a little more chocolate, I would say. The The other one was a, a, a bit more caramel forward. And this, this one has a bit more chocolate to it. This is a nice... It's beautiful. I used to briefly live in, in the Cincinnati area, and I would frequent... Uh, Nicholson, which is a Scottish pub right in downtown Cincinnati. And they would have a few from Scotland there that I've not seen anywhere else in Ohio. Uh, one that I have not, couldn't find a bottle of to bring here today, but it was uh, Bluebird Bitter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and like I, Coniston Brewery. And I in. think there is a hint of, is there a hint of Heather in that? In that? I don't know for sure. I okay. have had that beer when I was in England, and it is a really nice beer. It's an English beer, I think. Okay. Yeah. There is, there are a few heather beers though that they make in scotland it's kind of like that all went out of favor for a long time but i think some of the more modern breweries do make that occasionally now i have to go back i guess <laughs> um, now how many times have you been to, to scotland to scotland right? i went the first time in 2013 uh with the with the goal uh two friends of mine we were out to hike the west highland way which is 100 miles through the highlands of scotland you begin in moon guy which is just outside glasgow and it goes 100 miles north to Fort William. And then you get shamed in, on the, because there's a train that parallels it that brings you back to Glasgow. <laughs> and you see in a matter of hours what you did over a matter of days. Uh, but it was terrific. My friends and I in that particular year, we did it nine days. And all but one day, we were able to end the day in a pub with a pint and a bar meal. Uh, and had fantastic experiences. And then usually, there's a couple of times we were able to get a midday break with a bar meal and a pint, uh, which it's tough to have these Scottish beers and think of one that you can get here in the U S or re for me, it's the experience of going into a pub, you know, sometimes maybe in the more rural area that's not in the city and you go in and you, you know, you see a, a usually four to six real ale taps. Most of them, most of the time you've never heard of any of those beers. You pick one out, the barman draws you a pint, and then sit there and either overhear a local or get wrapped up into a local story or a joke or, you know, maybe it's not the most exciting beer you've ever had in your life. But the overall experience and and that type of way to get your beer delivered uh, is, is just well worth it. I don't think, I mean, it's, it's enjoyable to have a beer with you two. And in a bottle, I don't think it compares to 
having a real ale pint in a pub, you know, maybe there's a fire going. Sure. It's hard to beat that. That experience is classic, isn't it? And if you're going to do a walking vacation, and people in the U.S. don't do a lot of hiking vacations, but that's the way to do it yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was the uh, the one experience on that was uh, we, we stopped in this place. There was a hotel and a pub and on the West Highland Way, and it's well known for having, selling a bag lunch for hikers. So we're like, okay, we're going to go in here, we're going to get lunch. And we were wild camping that night, so the bag lunch was our dinner. And this older gentleman was the bartender and server, and comes by at the menus. He's like, oh, do you know what you want to drink? And I spoke up, and he's like, oh, you're American. I'll speak slower. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and I, I, the three of us laughed, and I said, oh, I said, we've not had a problem understanding any most people except for our cab driver in Glasgow. And then he kind of puts his hand to his mouth. He's like, even people in Scotland don't understand people in Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, when, when you were saying that, I'll speak slower. I was just thinking to myself, if you were in Glasgow, that would be useful. Yes. Because the, the Glaswegian <laughs> accent, people who've lived there their whole life, is pretty difficult accent. I, my Nana was from Yorkshire. I grew up hearing a thicker English accent, and I struggled in Glasgow. That was... Um, but everyone's pretty great when you're there. If you ask again, or, you know, they'll typically figure out quickly you're an American and they'll say a little slower or maybe a little less accent, you know, and, and then they'll kind of laugh at you. And as, as long as you kind of laugh back with them, they you, you're in. Yeah. Yeah. No, very friendly people they are. Um, I went to a pub in Glasgow called the Lauriston. So there's a guy I met over there named Duncan McKay, and uh, he... He, he said, I was going to Glasgow. He's like, I'll show you around. And we went to this pub. It's pretty close to the tenement blocks where they were. So this is kind of like the rough part of Glasgow, a little bit south of the Clyde. Um, one of the interesting things is the tables all had two levels to them. And I was like, oh, this is quite interesting. So there's a lower level and then there was an upper level. And he's, he told me that was for playing dominoes. So you, that was the classic design of, of that pub. And I, But I've not seen it elsewhere. So your pints on the upper level and your dominoes on the lower, is that... Well, we didn't play dominoes, so I don't know okay. uh, which way to do it. I said, I don't know how you do it, actually. We'll, we'll have to go back. Yes. All right. I'm in. Well, you know, now that we're talking about Glasgow and Edinburgh, maybe we should move up north and we've got a beer that historically would have been brewed in Edinburgh. Maybe not these days, but we're going to move on to the McEwen's Scotch Ale. Perfect. Let me open it. Well, the McEwen Scotch Ale, Pat, few beers have quite such a loyal fan following. This is readily available here. We got it up at Wyland's. It's delicious. It's warming. It's smooth. As I'm sipping through it here, I mean, it's got kind of like a mild coffee flavor, raisins, brown sugar, caramel toffee, kind of like a bready, malty, some of that dark dried fruit. It's uh, it's really nice. Hints of leather. It's it's a man's beer for sure. And it goes well with the bannock. It goes well with the bannock. I think it goes well with the whiskey. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Now, we were talking before we started recording, Brian, about sometimes there's some confusion about the nomenclature of Scottish beers, right? So, the Scotch Ale. There's Scotch Ale and there's Scottish style 
Right. And to be honest, I don't have it memorized, the difference between the two. I just know to act, to, to kind of look for it or if almost sometimes get annoyed with someone who's like, oh, yeah, I had a, had a scotch ale. And then they pull it out and it's Scottish style. Right. Which, yeah. I mean, I'm still going to drink it if they're giving it to me. But, but you the, know. But the Scotch Ale just means stronger, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, what we might call a wee heavy and a Scotch Ale, those are interchangeable terms, I think, right? Okay. Yeah. Now, here's a question for you. You've been to Scotland more than the rest of us. Uh-oh. You know, when you go to China, for example, and you're looking for a restaurant, it wouldn't be called a Chinese restaurant. So, the question is, if you go to a Scottish pub, um, would things be labeled as Scottish light, Scottish heavy, Scottish export? I've I've never I've seen the export. I've seen okay, just yeah, export yeah. marked, and to be and I've never noticed that there's been a beer called Scottish style yeah. or Scotch. I've seen right. They I've, just call it beer. I did see some beers that were labeled as shillings. I was in a place in Edinburgh called the Bow Bar. I've been to I've the been Bow there, Bar. Yeah. I yeah. love the Bow. Like <laughs> I was recommended to go there from. A guy who was uh, C- chief information officer at BrewDog years ago. Okay. And he used to live in Edinburgh. And I said, I'm like, hey, and it's Martin, but not the founder, Martin. Yeah. Yeah. I said, Martin, recommend me some pubs in Edinburgh. And he's and Bobar was in his top two. Okay. Uh, it's a great place. It's yeah. Just, it's just fantastic bar. Yeah. Beautiful setting. And it's just, just below the castle. Right. And I remember, because I, I took a picture and I wrote a blog post about it, but they had on a kind of a newer brewery called Stewart Brewing, and they were they were selling an 80-shilling okay. beer when I went to the Bow Bar. So you can find occasionally these beers with the shilling nomenclature. Yeah, usually the shilling number might relate more to what we would see as Scotch ale or Scottish style. It might There, they're still using the 90, what, 90, 60, and I don't know. They, if they start at 60, and they go up to uh, maybe it, 80, and I then this would be 80. 90. Yeah. yeah, this is a 90, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah the Bow Bar is – I don't know if you knew about their tap system in there – no, tell me about that. So it is. It was popular through the fifties. It's all brass, and it's still got like a faucet mechanism rather than the rather than pulling rather the pipe than the beer the engine kind of mechanical pump device. And it kind of fell out of favor because the drip tray runs it back to the keg. Oh wow! So I have heard about this. Okay, <laughs> I'm yes. not so sure I'm hip to this idea. And the bow <laughs> bar, flies. the bow bar has the the most number of those taps still in operation wow now i could never get a real answer if they still drip it back into the keg or not <laughs> i think that's maybe just something they like to tell the tourists because i had some pretty clean tasting beers yeah, okay. there but it's a fat if you ever go there you probably find it on youtube or on pictures of it it's this great big brass system looks almost like it belongs on the on the the deck of a naval ship wow. like it's this big brass thing with all these faucets yeah. to it so if you go there and if i overheard the bartender one bartender tell several tourists in an evening there about it okay and if you don't hear about it you could just ask the guy and he'll okay and he'll tell you but um it's a really it just a it just looks terrific i mean it's right. um i'm sure you could fake it and make one you know like i'm sure a brewery or someone could make one that at least looks like it. That doesn't, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's um, interesting. They have, I think, the largest whiskey selection in a pub in Edinburgh. Oh, wow. That's uh, saying something, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's like a 200-plus <laughs> list. <laughs> okay. Wow. And when I was last there, I don't believe they do this anymore, but used to be Wednesdays was half off. 
Oh, wow. That could mean a lot of savings. There was a list, but it was this list is half off on Wednesday. Okay. Okay. And I splurged because my last night there was a Wednesday. So... Um, nice, nice. It was, uh, I, I, I bought two ladies from France a pour of whiskey that I had never planned on, on, yeah. on, you know, being that, that free with buying, <laughs> buying a whiskey. But, uh, did you get a return on your investment there? No, but it was just fun to be able to say that I had two women from France flirting with me over oh, a yeah. drink. So yeah. I'll, I'll take that. Grass Market has a lot of great pubs in it as well. Yep. The Beehive? Did you go to the Beehive? I don't know if I've been to the Beehive. There's a place there in the grass market is also, this is kind of a Scottish thing, but they used to hang people there. They yes. killed a lot of people there. There's a pub down there. It's called The Last Drop, which is I, kind of a clever yes. name. for. Uh, I've been to The Last Drop. <laughs> okay. And one of the that section, there's The Last Drop. I think the Beehive is next to it. There's another pub. One of those, Robert Burns himself, actually went to whatever it was named okay. in his era. So it's... Um, so kind of cool that you can, you know, have a have a pint where old Rabbi himself sat. So. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, no, I mean it's great to have that kind of history, and it's a it's a really beautiful city. How, what's your preference? I could probably guess, but I mean, how would you describe the difference? Let me put it this way: between Edinburgh and Glasgow. Uh, to be honest, I've not spent more than a few hours in Glasgow, so okay. I'd, I'd, I'd be unfair to say anything <laughs> ill about Glasgow. I've, I've spent more time in Edinburgh, um, but uh, Glasgow has a l- is a little more industrial. You would have to say, I think the British would say Edinburgh is a little more posh. A little more posh. There's the, you know, there's a royal palace there. Yeah. There's there's the royal mile there. There's, you know, they have the Edinburgh tattoo, which I, yeah. is a big military concert yeah. um, mm-hmm. with bagpipe bands from around the world. You know, in Glasgow is more, was kind of a, I guess, newer in terms of Scotland. Mm-hmm. And they they kind of have more manufacturing. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of the trains coming out of Scotland connect... I think if you looked up uh, Scottish musicians, we always kind of come back to music on this show, you would find that Glasgow uh, outpunches Edinburgh by a pretty long way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I think uh, Franz Ferdinand, that's another Franz Ferdinand band. Oh, yeah. Is she from Glasgow? I think she's from the Glasgow okay. area. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, yeah, it's, they were it's like the Motown. It's like the Motown yeah, of yeah, Detroit's uh, Scotland. a good comparison. Yeah. You know, I think uh, the, I mean, Glasgow was big in the punk scene in the 80s, maybe? Was I, that? That's probably true. That okay. would make sense to me, be, you yeah. know, given the industrial nature of the yeah. city. Yeah. You know, coming back to this McEwen Scotch Ale, I'm really impressed with how quaffable it is. Yeah. I mean, it is not cloying at all for, a, you know, a big multi For the ABV, yeah, it's pretty easy going. I like that creamy mouthfeel, too. It's, it's really nice. Yeah, well done, McEwens. Get them raisins in there. Mm-hmm. Definitely a little bit of dark fruit. That's, yeah, that's good. Like I said, pear is perfect with the bannock. Oh yeah, yeah. the bannock. You, you so, get the you get to how someone would decide to put raisins in there. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like a scone in a glass. Yeah. Uh-huh. What's our next beer, Pat? Uh-oh. Well, we're going to move. Skull Splitter? Yeah, we're going to move up to the Highlands. But for our beer, we're going to go almost as far north as you can go. Okay. We're going to get a beer from Orkney Brewery. Okay. Or, All right. Uh, and it's called Skull Splitter. Yeah. Let's That's great. That well, I think before we have that, we should give these scotch eggs a try. Uh-oh. Terrific. You don't have to twist my arm. So, what are we thinking of the scotch egg? It's Ex- very nice. Excellent. Yeah. It actually goes great with these beers. So I would, I would put this in the top three of 
homemade ones I've Ooh, had. So. High praise. So the Scotch egg was first created at Fort Num and Mason in 1738 wow. for Londoners traveling to their country homes. Today, the Scotch egg has seen a huge revival in popularity, emerging from the shadows of service stations to farmers markets and uh, also in the gastropub. And I know. Uh, you used to always get them at Max down here in Short North. Max used to have those. Uh, and then Barley's Brew Pub down here makes a great scotch egg, too. Years ago, I used to be able to go to a place called the Pub at Polaris. And they had, oh, yeah, they, they, they occasionally had some scotch. It wasn't on the menu all the time. And then they also had a real ale tap in there that they occasionally had all the parts working correctly. And yeah. That actually was a pretty nice pub. I was it surprised was, when it closed. Well, this is a really good scotch egg, Mark. And, uh, Thank you. you. I mean... You know, we could talk about our, our favorite Scottish food. One of the things I admire about the Scots is that they want to use the whole animal, right? We don't want anything to go to waste, right? Yeah. Um, probably the most famous dish, haggis. Haggis. Uh, Brian, you want to tell us a little bit? Did, you, you, did are, you have it when you were there? I did have haggis, yeah, did, a did couple of times. Like it? Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't mind it. I thought yeah. it was pretty good. I, you know, I had it for John breakfast. John didn't care for it at all. <laughs> I, I treated it like when I first went there in 2013, I treated it like a little kit, like trying to get your kit. Like, okay, I'm here. It's a local food. I got to have it once. You got to do it. Uh, the, the hotel I was staying at actually had breakfast included. And on the breakfast was the full Scottish breakfast, mm-hmm. which included haggis. So I thought, okay, so here, if I hate it, at least I didn't have to fully pay. I didn't have to order it and pay for it. It's, right. you yeah. know, and I had it every day after that. That's, that that was in. that was um, including haggis bonbons as an appetizer at a pub. Nice. Okay. Uh, and then and typically I had it more with brec- with the full breakfast. Yeah, there are uh, a lot of UK tradition uh, for breakfast that don't make a lot of sense when you say them out loud to an American person, like. <laughs> Blood sausage, blood, blood sausage, pudding, grilled tomatoes, yeah, grilled, yeah. Uh, uh, baked beans, baked you know, bean, beans on toast. Uh, but Joan, she's not a lover of the Londoners' breakfast at all. Yeah, it's pretty savory, uh, but I love it. Now, where is the Orkneys? North and west of in, in Reness, I would. Uh, yeah, is my it, it's off the northwest coast of the mainland Scotland, right? right? Uh, and so, you know, this is, you know, you're getting up there if you go to, it must be really dark this time of year in the Orkneys, I would imagine. And I think it was inhabited, ruled by, you know, Vikings and Norwegians for a long oh, yeah. time, which I think this, this beer, as I've read about, Skull Splitter was the nickname for one of the kings of the Orkneys who uh, oh, wow. had a name called Inarsen or something. I can't remember yeah. his whole full name there. But yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but anyway, I mean, that's, it's, that's a pretty nice beer. Yeah, yeah. So they're also home to the uh, stones of Stennis Circle and oh. Hinge. So that's kind of like a Stonehenge type of thing. Yeah, yeah I think and that's up there too. That's one of the Stone Circles inspired the thing. The uh, Stone Circle and Outlander. If if you yeah, it's, it's got that kind of look of those chiseled tall, uh huh, like five thousand years old and yeah, really cool world world heritage site. I've got one uh, pub recommendation for the Highlands, although I'm sure there are many. But there's a place called the I think it's called the Klatchig Pub, which is in uh, Glencoe. 
Okay. And it's kind of a similar setup in the sense that there's a pub in front, there's a pub in the back. Um, and when I went there, there was a line. I had to wait 15 minutes just to order food. I mean, there, wow. it was really popular. Was uh, it near the highway through Glencoe then? Yeah. It's okay. just off the road. You know, we came up through Loch Lomond and then we were coming around to uh, Glencoe. And so it was, it was not too far off the road. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if it would be on uh, any hiking trail. I don't think that one's on, but I've, yeah. I've heard of that one, but that is not on yeah. the, uh, the, I'm trying to think of the, so in in the um, Keenlock Leaven, there are several pubs there because it's the it's most it's where most people stay before finishing the West Highland Way. So it's okay. sixteen miles walking distance to Fort William, and at the and at Keenlock Leaven, I was camping behind a <clears throat> hotel there, and we'd, we'd hit a couple other pubs in town. And we're going to have one more at the at this at this hotel. Uh, which is also the thing we, I don't think we really mentioned the joy of that you can get a half pint. Like in case you're, in case you want to stay out a little bit longer and don't feel like, you know, like committing to a full imperial pint, you can do a half. Um, so we, we popped in there for one more and it was, you know, 10, 15. So they weren't going to be open too much longer and no one else is in there. Bartender working and, and, you know, tell them what beer we want. I'm like, Hey, is there any chance I can, Bribe you with a couple pounds, be able to jump behind there and pour it myself. <laughs> and he's like, "Sure." He goes, "You don't actually have to give me anything." He goes, "I don't care. You could come back, you know, especially <laughs> since there's no one there." So I got to actually pull, draw my own pint. Uh, takes a little more muscle than you'd than you'd first think. Yeah, um, cool. And that was, and then, and somehow my friend uh, that was with me fat fingered his phone and didn't get video of me pouring oh. my own pint. So it's. <laughs> It's it's a true disappointing an, true analog experience yeah. Yeah. there. We still believe you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so for this beer, we're going to move it back across the North Atlantic Ocean to our hometown, Pat, here in Columbus, Ohio, near the All Things Beer Studio, just the north of us, Zaftig. They're known for heavy-hitting beers, and this is... What do we got, Pat? This is the Extra Age We Heavy. Extra Age We Heavy. Okay. What's the ABV on this? It's got to be 20 or above to be zafted. <laughs> uh, I'm going to 10 or 11 or 12. Okay. What, you know, I don't n- know for sure. I mean, the standard We Heavy at yep. Zaftig, and so people who might not be from Columbus. I mean, Zaftig has a reputation of making big, strong, multi beers. Would that be fair? That's very fair. Big ABV, yeah. Their standard we heavy is 10%. But this one, here, I'm going to read what it says on the bottle. Okay. The barrel-aged we heavy is one for the ages, with a little over five years of age oh, in wow. a Four Roses bourbon barrel. This batch of beer turned into something wonderful. Okay. So, yeah, so who, I don't know the exact KBV, but it's like it double digits, I'm I sure. I just looked it up, it said 15. 15, wow. Woo! Okay. Okay. So, this Go is about double, double the skull splitter almost. Yeah, so. you do it. Now, this I, is a sipper for sure. Almost like a fudgy kind of smell to yeah. it. Yeah, like, it's a little squirrely, and that maybe sounds weird, but it's got a lot going on. Dark fruit, fudge. Dark fruit, fudge, yeah. caramel. Cherries, like maybe a, maybe almost a maple syrup kind of Yeah, bourbon smell. soaked cherries. It's got a lot. Drew, it's a Pat might have another hangover tomorrow. You didn't even get into the whiskeys yet. <laughs> yeah. This is Oh, it's got that kind of 
syrupy yeah, it aftertaste syrupy. that you get out of those those big ABV. Yeah. Almost like it's a big ABD stout, even though this is oh, not yeah. a this is not a stout. But right. it's, I'm glad I didn't have to drink this by the pint. Just uh, yeah, split it three ways. Right, well, best. E- even well, I went up. They had a bottle release this last weekend, and that's where I oh. got it. And they were serving it, you know, on draft. But it, it came in a five ounce pour, okay. which I think is about the right size for this. It's more than I want, yeah. But Yeesh. it's. Um, I think Brian, you were right on the nose when you said that the the aroma is very fudgy. You know, it's, there's kind of yeah, a chocolate fudge yeah, kind of it thing. It reminds me of like your grandma's making fudge at Christmas. It's got oh, that. Yeah. And then in the taste, you get some of that vanilla, probably from the mm-hmm. barrel that goes mm-hmm. with the fudge. And then um, it's boozy. Mm-hmm. There's kind of fruit overtones there, or undertones, or oh, whatever yeah. you want to call them. A little bit of a note of utopias on the on the fin- like mm-hmm. that, Oh, the Sam Adams that, uh, 28% you know, yeah. Yeah, beer, whatever. Yeah. The sherry, kind of syrupy yeah. finish. It's got, yeah. It's got kind of a nutty character, too. Do you get that? Kind of a like a roast hazelnut type of thing? I get that more in the, in the, the smell or the, the very beginning taste. Yeah. I kind of get that, but... It's very I, complex. I've always liked uh, Zaftig's We Heavy. Uh, I mean, you got to kind of be in the mood for Zaftig beers, mm-hmm. but if you are in a mood, I mean, this is this is like dessert in a glass, really, yeah. isn't it? Oh, I yeah. would definitely have a scoop of ice cream on the side with this. That would <laughs> yeah. that would that would hit that the would spot. Be a good that would, yeah. yeah, power goes out, furnace is off. <laughs> Pat says We Heavy time. Yeah, this is a good one to sit by the fire. Maybe sure. with a, a bowl of ice cream on the side there. Yeah. Ice to cream. Cool or it off. Right. I could see that. Yeah, this is really warming. I guess I, I think it's a beautiful beer. I mean, it is a sipper. And, you know, to have a whole 12-ounce bottle yourself yeah. would be – it would be kind of be a lot. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I couldn't do it. A little bit in the vein of the Wolver from Thirsty this Dog. Is, I'd put this head-to-head against the Wolver and have a hard time picking which, which one – would be better yeah that's high praise it would be interesting mm. to do that um you'd need probably at least four people <laughs> to do that head to head, i think blind taste testing like the pepsi <laughs> challenge like have you done that on your pot have you done that as a show yet have we, you done that as a well we have done blind tastings we have not done we heavy blind tastings uh, pat you're gonna uh, have another hangover <laughs> I, was, I was thinking like the old school you know like the pepsi challenge like the box well which which beers would you pair in that I think I'd work. I think I'd just work through the. I think I'd do four styles. Yeah. I think I'd go for like, you know, you're a pilsner yeah, guy. Yeah. I think I'd go with yeah. a. I think I'd go with two pilsners. I think I'd go then in the true two West Coast IPAs, and maybe something in whether a mild or a brown ale. Kind of just work your way up, kind of the color wheel. Sure. Uh, I think you'd have to decide if you're doing real stout or barrel age. I think that'd have to. Um, yeah, you you know when I first started uh, the Pat's Pints blog yeah. early on, I had I had a party and we did a that thing basically Ohio versus Michigan. And we had Ohio beers versus Michigan oh, beers, wow. and we did I think we did eight different styles, and it, everybody voted who was in on it, and then we did a little video segment. It was it was fun, and in those days, of course, I would say Michigan was a little earlier out of the gate. Oh yeah, the they've, been, they've so, been ahead of us for ahead of Ohio at least. Maybe not so much the last. I, th- I think we've kind of caught five up now. Years yeah. we've, we've caught up. But, but if you go back, I think this must have been 2015. Oh now, yeah, back then. So you have uh, some short spear in there, and you have some. Definitely, we had we had some founders. We had some, uh, you know, bells. We had some uh, jolly pumpkin. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I'm trying to remember. I'd have to go back to look I at did what some, we all did. Somewhere with Bach beers in the spring. Okay, how many I, Bach beers did you find? Um, I think I did six. And whole, you know, like poured it in a thing, you know, poured it in a craft and numbered it. 
And I did it by price. Okay. <laughs> okay. And the winner amongst, I think we had about 10 people there, was Genesee Bach. That oh, was okay. that was the or, okay. or was, we had a Genesee and we had a Yingling. There were the two. Cheapest. I haven't had the Genesee Bach. I, I didn't even know it existed. Actually, oh yeah, that's okay. And it's still in a can. With it. I mean, it's got a goat on it, so it has to be good. I mean, how can you go wrong with a beer that has a goat on it, right? <laughs> I mean, a Bach, you know, yeah, like right. Yeah, uh, sure, sure. It's authentic. Um, authentic. And then, sorry, that was I was I spoke to it was the Yingling Bach was the number one. Okay, uh, Genesee was number two, and then the ones that were more expensive actually. Dropped off. Dropped okay. off. Okay. So, All right, Zaftig, that was a lot of beer. I, I'll just call that dessert in our Scottish meal today. Uh, better than the internal organs of a sheep. I'd say, Zaftig, that's the best beer from you have had. Oh, look at that. High yeah, praise. Nice. It, it, it's a really nice beer. High praise from Brian Kimmel. Look at that. Well, Brian, thanks so much yeah. for coming on it's the great show. Great with you. Thanks great for the invite. You. Um, I would love to run into you guys for a beer again. Um, yeah. And uh, let me know if you ever want to pull off that bike and brewery. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah we'll, let's I'll get back in touch with you next we spring, should I think. Do, in the spring, we should do an all-things beer bike pub crawl. That's a good idea. Yeah. You can I'm record right on the side of the trail. Maybe. Yep. Pat will drink a scotch whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a wee heavy, yeah, 14%. I'll, I'll pack, a, Vanek, I'll pack a Vanek so he's can recover. <laughs> yeah, so so I'm talking about. All right. Well, cheers, mate. Cheers. Yeah. All right. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. And listeners, thank you. Uh, I think next month we're going to be heading to Belgium for Christmas, right? Belgium and Austria, actually. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, we'll go through all kinds of Christmas traditions. And I think in the new year, we'll probably wrap up that Cascale podcast we've been working on as well. So a lot of things come in the new year. We're rolling now. Yeah. So uh, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And we'll see you in December. True story.